listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. So when we say that I follow Christ, we believe that our lives are to revolve around three important relationships. And, and those relationships, you've just seen that in, in the video, but I want to just go through this quickly. Those three, under, those three relationships can be understood in these three words. First of all, to abide in Christ, to connect with others, and to share the gospel with those around us. And, and so we see the abide and the connect and the share all together. And these are three vital relationships of that of a life fo- of a Christ follower. And why is it? Because this is the way that Christ spent his time and built his relationships here on this earth. And so last, year, last week we made a pretty bold statement and it was, was this, it is impossible to follow Christ without abiding in him. It is impossible to be a Christ follower without abiding in him. And, and, and this is all about a personal, intimate relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And we looked at John chapter 15, how he is the vine and we are the branches. And the only way we can bear fruit, the only way that we can live the Christian life is by being connected to the vine, to be connected to Jesus Christ. And, and we went through this, and it, this is important things because I want you to understand this isn't, this isn't a bunch of rules, this isn't a bunch of rights and wrongs and do's and don'ts and a bunch of religious activities, but it's about learning to rest and trust and remain in a personal commitment and a growing, fruitful relationship with Christ. That's his plan, his desire for every one of us, not just to kind of drift in and out of the church, drift in and out of Christianity and our commitment to him, but to be committed, to be connected to this, and, and, and everything else will flow out of this relationship. This one is important. It is essential. It is a first top priority and remember we said that following God being a follower of Christ is is not primarily a call to ministry but to intimacy and and this week I was texting one of the leaders from our church and 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 she made this statement and and I just love this statement because this just summarizes it um, and, and it came without any sort of, like, just in the course of the conversation, as, as she has, uh, her and her family, and even the ministry that, that she's a part of, have seen God at work. And, and she said, I really have personally uh, discovering that the more I abide in Christ, the more I see God at work in my life. Amen? I mean, that's great to see God at work in my life. How does that happen? Through abiding in Him. And so I strongly encourage you, if you didn't listen to last week's message, you need to be caught up to speed on that. And, and all of these are, are building one on top of the other. And so it's available on the website through iTunes as well as there are CDs of the messages available at the info table at the end of the service uh, from last week. And next, this week will be available next week. It's in that abiding relationship that we have not only the desire and the want, but the power to obey the word of God. Because the Holy Spirit is in us and, and we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit when we come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And, and so it is not us doing the work, it's the Holy Spirit, it's the Spirit of Jesus working in and through us and producing the fruit. Um, and, and we listed off what some of those, those fruits of righteousness are. And, and in John 15 last week, as we were looking at that passage, you see that this connection, I'm the vine, I'm the, uh, that, that Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. And then we see the very next, just a few verses a little later on, when, when he says, this is my commandment in verse 12, he gives us a command. He says that you love one another. 
And so he's saying, you're abiding in me, and the direct outflow of that is that you will love one another. You will love other believers. And he's saying this to his disciples who were very different from very different backgrounds, often competing against one another over who is going to be the first in, in, in Jesus' nice little cabinet you know, of, of, of followers. And, and so we see that, that the outflow of abiding is right away being connected and loving the body of Christ, loving other believers. And Jesus is saying that we are to love one another, and he says, just as I have loved you. How did Christ love us? He served, he gave to the point of death. He loved us with a sacrificial love. And the outflow of an authentic, abiding relationship with Jesus Christ, the outflow of that is a desire and a commitment to connect with the body of Christ, to connect with one another. And so today we're going to look at that second relationship. I follow Christ means that, that I will connect with other believers. And last week, as, as we made a pretty bold statement, there's another bold statement this week, and I encourage you to write this down. And it is this, it is impossible to follow Christ without connecting with other believers. And I love this statement that I just read towards the end of this week. You come to Christ as an individual, and immediately you lose your me for a we. That when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we lose automatically, right away, our me for a we. You cannot truly follow Christ on your own. Theologically, biblically, you can't do it. And when we say that I'm a follower of Christ, the outflow of that is that we are going to be connected to the body of Christ, to his church. We're designed to be in a personal not a private relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, our relationship is is personal, but our faith isn't private. We are to live it out with others. God did not design this relationship to be lived in isolation but in fellowship and in connection with one another. People will say oftentimes, well, I love Jesus, I just don't like his church. There's hundreds, there's thousands of people like that in our city, in this region. And I know I've met them. When I was out of ministry for a year and a half, I I, I ran into many people. Some of them are even pastors, former pastors, who even said to me, I love Jesus still, I just don't want to have anything to do with his church. That is unbiblical. That is not correct kind of teaching from the word of God. And I'll say, first and foremost, there is no perfect church. Harvest is not a perfect church. And you want to know why? Because you have me as a pastor. And because you should see the leaders and and the servants here. I mean, what a bunch of sinners that he's gifted to us. That's who we are. We are people who are, are desiring to follow Jesus Christ, but we are going to make mistakes. We are going to, at times inadvertently, sometimes not knowingly, hurt one another. And yet, this is an opportunity for us to live out the many other one another's in the word of God. So we're to connect with one another, but in, in the Bible, I, I heard Pastor Robbie make this comment that, that there are at least 59 one another's in the New Testament. We are to love one another, connect with one another, forgive one another, serve one another, give to one another. 59 of these um, uh, strong uh, encouragements and commands that we are to do, and you can't do that if you're not connected to one another. And that connection isn't just with the people in our little circle that we like. These, these are people that are very different than us. 
Different backgrounds, different experiences, different age groups. That's what I love about Harvest. This has been a prayer and desire that we would be an intergenerational church, and God is answering that prayer, amen? We have from, from, from seniors who've walked with God for a long time to, to little babies. I get excited when, when, when I hear of another um, a little baby in, in Harvest Kids or another, another one that's in the preparation stage for Harvest Kids and, and, and just seeing this kind of interaction to young adults, to young families, just love seeing it to, to just across the board. This is beautiful and we are to connect with one another in this way and God has given us a special gift here in this way. And today though, however, I may say some things that may rub you the wrong way. Or you may even outrightly disagree with what I have to say. Because some of the things I'm going to be saying today, it won't fly in the face of culture here in North America and, and here in Western Canada. And so I want you to know, I, I come with a, a degree of fear and trembling by what we're going to be talking about here today. Um, but please hear me in this, that, that what we're talking about today, I, I don't see that it's negotiable. It's a non-negotiable um, reality and truth that we're looking at and and maybe you will think well Meldon that's just your opinion yes it is you say well that's harvest opinion and you're a harvest guy and yes it is harvest opinion and you want to know why it's because it's God's opinion it's because it's in God's word and to ignore this truth is to ignore the word of God and we can't do that life's too short and there's too many blessings and so much available for us when we connect. First of all, when we abide in a connection, in a relationship with Jesus Christ, but then that is lived out in connection with one another. And so this just isn't a good idea. It's not a suggestion. It's not a take it or leave it kind of thing. This is God's plan. This is God's plan for our lives. And when we abide in him, the outflow is this, is a commitment, a growing commitment of connection, of love, of serving, of sacrificing for one another. And so this is, this is God's plan. This is his word. And so just the, the reality is this, that you and I cannot fulfill God's plan and experience all God's best for our lives without being connected to the body of Christ. Is this going to be easy? No. It never is. The enemy does not want to see a church united. He doesn't want to see believers getting along because God's word tells us that when believers dwell together in unity, there God bestows a blessing. And he doesn't want to see us blessed by God. He wants to see us fragmented. He wants to see us um, involved in infighting and, and, and all kinds of other messes. The, the enemy loves that. But when there's unity, God bestows his blessing. And so if we are to just quickly look, and, and these verses are going to be up on the screen. We'll get to Romans 12 in a moment. But, but here we see in the early church, the first church, the beginning of the church in the New Testament, we see in, in Acts 2.41, it says, Those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So 3,000 souls, 3,000 people received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And what did they do right off? They were baptized. First step of obedience for the follower of Jesus Christ is to, is to identify yourself as a follower of Christ, to declare publicly, to declare in front of your church family that you have made the decision to follow Jesus and it is your desire to live for him the rest of your life. This is a command of obedience. Again, something that, that we see in the word of God. Have you done that? 
Have you been baptized upon confession of your faith in, in the Lord Jesus Christ? You think many of these 3,000 people, there's a good number of them that would have been baptized earlier. Perhaps it was John's baptism of repentance, but now they are getting baptized as, as believers in Jesus Christ and, and accepting the work that he had done on the cross. And so there's other forms of baptism, but we see in the word of God that there is no such thing as an unbaptized believer in the New Testament. The only one was the thief on the cross and he had a pretty good excuse. He was dying. He was minutes away from dying and Jesus Christ saved his soul that day. He didn't have time to get baptized. But we see through the New Testament that the first step was baptism. And, they were, and, and I encourage you, if that is something you have not yet done, if you've been putting off, if you've been unsure, we have a booklet on that. We'd love to talk to you. You need to get that done. That's the first step. That, that's, that, that, that when we have made that decision to follow Jesus Christ, and you can fill that out on a connection card. You can talk to myself, to Shayon. After the service, you can take your card to the info table. We'd love to get the ball rolling with you in regards to baptism. And so what were they added to? It says that those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Look at the word added there in verse 41. It says they were added, what were they added to? To one another. They were added to community. They were added to the church and their lives were never the same. Verse 42, and it says, and they were then devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And so we see the outflow of that and then in verse 44, uh, it goes on to say there that all who believed were together and had all things in common. So these weren't just people that were showing up for, for an hour or hour and a half service on a Sunday. These were people that were doing life together. They were committed to one another. The next verse goes on, verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together. So they're meeting in a large group gathering together, breaking bread in their homes. They were meeting in small groups and they received their food with glad and generous hearts. And so here they were doing life together. Large groups, small groups, eating together, breaking bread together, participating in the Lord's Supper. And verse 47, love this. Praising God and having the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is amazing. This is a result of an abiding connection with Jesus Christ and the outflow of that is that others are noticing this and saying, what love what worship, what joy. These people are changing. There's a transformation happening. I want it. I want in. Give me this. Who is this? How does this happen? It's Jesus. And we see day by day more people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. This is a beautiful outflow of that abiding relationship. It is a connection with God's family. You have to understand that church is not a meeting I attend, but a body I belong to. It's not just a meeting we attend once a week, but it's a body that we belong to, and we're going to see this biblically here. And in the New Testament, we have a number of different metaphors to describe the church, to help us to get an understanding of our relationship to one another as well as to Jesus Christ. And in the New Testament, we have the example, First Peter, of, of a building and how we are stones all built together on Christ, the cornerstone. We have the image of the bride of Christ, that, that, God, that, 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 that Jesus is uh, the bride groom and that we are the bride and how he loves and cares for his precious bride. And here in Romans 12 as well as in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul uses the analogy of the human body to help us understand this connection that we have to the family of God. 
And so this morning we're going to look here at Romans 12 and, and, and the verses here starting in verse 4. And the first thing I want to declare to you this morning here in this reality is that we are supernaturally placed by God and uniquely designed for his family. I encourage you to write that down. This means you, if you are in Christ. You are supernaturally, supernaturally placed by God and uniquely designed for his family. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 4, we see this. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function. And, and, and what we see here, that when we are saved, we are supernaturally placed into the body of Christ. There's no waiting period. It's not like, you know, well, you know, we got your application up here in heaven and you know, we're going to think about this for a little bit and see if you... No. Supernaturally placed into the family of God. This is an amazing reality. And I want to show it to you from Scripture. You know how um, after Christmas, one of my favorite, favorite things is leftovers. And we have discovered a beautiful... Oh, don't put that up yet, please. We're not there yet. I have to build this thing up here, you know. And, and is a day or two after Christmas, you go to the fridge and you, you, you dig out the following ingredients and, and you take some bread and then you take some turkey and then you take some stuffing and you put some mayo on that bread and then some cranberry sauce and then you chop up some nice crispy dill pickles and perhaps a little cheddar on top of that and you get this beautiful put that picture up now there we go look at that beautiful flavor explosion in your mouth of this wonderful turkey stuffing cranberry dill pickle i mean just what an explosion of taste buds in your mouth as, as you enjoy this kind of thing well, this morning I want to give you something better than that amazing sandwich. I want to give you a scripture sandwich of, of the truths of the realities of what happens when you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's oh, phenomenal. Write down these references, read them, underline them, because this is a reality for your life when you receive Jesus Christ. Galatians 4, verses 4 to 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Daddy. The word Abba is Daddy. And so you are no longer slaves, but a son. And if a, and if a son, then an heir through God. We are heirs to the King of Kings. We become children of God. John 1, 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Adoption, paper, signed. 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should become children of God. And so we are. Romans 5 or Romans 8:15 For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry Abba Daddy Father the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. Ephesians 2.19, the sandwich is coming to an end, but there's still even more in, in the Word of God. This is just a partial sandwich. This is enough to get our mouths around just for, for this moment here. Second, or, or Ephesians 2.19, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Amen? Amen? 
This is who we are in Christ. And so when a person gives their heart to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and we are supernaturally joined and connected to the body of Christ. This is what you inherit. You inherit the body of Christ. And so as you look up and down the aisles, do that now. Look up and down the aisles. All right, look around and, 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 and look behind you, look in front of you, and, and, and you can even look down and say, hey, we're family. Say that now. Hey, we're family. Come on. Hey, we're family. As you look around, we're family. Now, some of you are family, but you look a little bit further beyond that and say, hey, we're family because we are. This means you and I are part of something much bigger than just this room. We're part of one another. If you're in Christ, I'm a part of you, you're a part of me. You say, I don't even know you, but Christ knows you, and I'd love to get to know you, and you might be unsure if you really want to get to know me, but, but, but take my word that, you know, like there's caution with, with some of that, and some people would say amen to that, especially my family. And, and yet we're connected to one another. We're part of something bigger than even ourselves, our own families, and the family that's filling this room here today. You see, when you read the Old Testament, you read about Moses, Abraham, Rahab, Joseph, Daniel, Esther, Ruth, David. You read the New Testament, you read about John the Baptist, Peter, Dorcas, Mary, Eunice, Lois, Paul, Timothy. That's the history of your family, if you are in Christ. That's, that's part of your family history. So you can read about your relatives, about your brothers and sisters, who are also in the family of God. That's the history of your family. When you travel around the world and you meet up with other believers... You may not even speak the same language, but that's your family. Have you been on some of those kind of excursions before? You've been maybe on a missions trip or you've been someplace where they don't even speak English or, and, 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 and yet you come together with other believers and they're singing similar songs, just different words. And, 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 and why? Your family. Then when you read in the book of Revelation and you see at the end of time and we see after the second coming of Christ and, and we see the, the, the thousands of people as we are singing today, oh, for a thousand voices, oh, for a thousand songs to sing, oh, our tongues are, as we join together and there's this imagery that we have in the book of Revelation of people gathered around the throne from every tribe and every tongue and every nation at the celebration of the king. In worship, in awe. You know, I, I've watched, I watched some of the inaugura inauguration, I can't even say that right, uh, of the president. You see all kinds of other celebrations, New Year celebrations, and you see the fireworks, and you see all of this, you know, all these performances and different things that, that are going on. I'm telling you, all of that pales. It doesn't even come, like, even a, a percentage, like not even a, a, a hundredth or a millionth of a percentage of what the celebration will be like around the throne of God with your family. From all ages, joined together around the throne. It's going to be amazing. As we sing, as we worship our great God together and enjoy eternity together with the family of God. You must understand you've been supernaturally placed into the family of God. But the next part there of that statement is you are uniquely designed by God into his family. You're uniquely designed. Now the human body is, is a pretty amazing thing. As, as you take it, you know, I mean, our, our bodies consist of, of many parts, and, and you just see this broken down. You see what I'm going to talk about here in 1 Corinthians 12. Write that down. I encourage you, read 1 Corinthians 12 this week, because this just explains it far better than I'll even do it here today. But, but you have a nose, you have a mouth, you have a heart, you have feet, you have many parts, and in here we see uniqueness, we see diversity, and yet you see the whole body working together. Now, the body would be pretty useless if 
we were all feet, right? Here, here Shayon did a little touch-up where the hands are feet and your feet are feet and then your nose are feet or your eyes are feet or your ears are feet, your hair are feet or, you know, or even, I mean, that, that could get pretty stinky up top there, right? You know, if, if that's all feet, you know, or, or pretty funny looking, you know, and, 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 and the word of God goes on to, to give this further breakout of this illustration in 1 Corinthians 12. But the body is made up of many parts and yet we are all joined together. You can't have a heart all of a sudden say, I'm going to remove myself from the body. You do that on a hot summer day here in the Okanagan. You put a heart out on the sidewalk at plus 35. Yeah, that heart isn't going to do so well, is it? No, it's going to, it needs to be a part of the body. It needs to be together with the other members of the body. And God has designed the human body with great detail. I mean, at times when, when, when you witness um, surgeries or, or, or childbirth or just all the different aspects of, of the human body, and it's just like, wow, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And, 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 and there's the external parts, there's the parts you see, and sometimes there's the external parts that you wish that people couldn't see, like when your nose walks into the room 10 minutes before you do, you know, or something like that, you know, I mean, there's certain parts where, where you know, that stick out more than others, and, and, and that, but then you also have the internal parts that no one sees, but they're just as important. They're giving life to, to, to the outer expression of the body. How oftentimes have you just thought recently, I honestly have not thought about this at all lately, you ever thought about your ribs and the job that your ribs do? Now, some of you, you hear ribs, mm, love ribs. No, th- these are the ribs in, in, your, in your body, right? And, and yesterday, it gave me some great thought as to, to what your ribs do because we were talking to Charlotte's parents and, and they have some friends on, their f- on a farm in Saskatoon area and she was out in the, uh, out in the pasture or in the corral, I guess, and they were uh, dealing with a uh, young calf and separating the calf from the mother, and, and, and the, the cow turned on this farm wife and just started charging at her, got her down on the ground, and was like doing, like, it sounded like WWF kind of body slams on her body. And if it wasn't for the husband nearby able to fight off this angry mother cow, she would have been dead. And when they got her to hospital and checked her out, she had 14 broken ribs. But what did those ribs do? They protected her internal organs. She, she didn't have internal organ damage because her ribs, that you don't think about very much, were protecting. You don't see them. Well, on some people you see them, but you know, on others we don't see them. You know, and, um, you know, you see the outline of them. And, uh, but they're there. They're important. They're essential to protecting the body. And this is the way that our body, the body of Christ, it's designed with with purpose and and with meaning, with understanding. Every part of the body is useful, right? Would you agree with that? Yeah. In the same way, every part of the body of Christ is useful, necessary, important. Even nose hairs are important, right? They are. They have a purpose. One, to, to filter air. And the second reason to, to allow men to drive their wives crazy is they try to pull them as they start growing longer and longer and quit pulling your nose hairs. We're in public, dear. You know, and, and it's just like, it's got to be done. You know? and, and, and so there's a reason for, for everything in the body. Psalm 139 says, God has uniquely wired you. He has uniquely designed you. Not just your outer appearance, but with your giftings and with your abilities. He has made you unique and he's uniquely designed you for his family. 
to be connected together with his family. And he's gifted and he's designed every one of us. And we all have certain abilities and capabilities. We have different experiences and backgrounds, all different than one another. We have different aptitudes. Some things that are really easy for you are really difficult for me. Some of you can read and write. Some of you just have a mind for business. Some of you have, have, have abilities when it comes to worship and singing and, and, and music kind of things, and, or even clapping. I can't do any of those well. And, um, you know, j- just every once in a while, just to drive the, the, the worship band a little crazy, I'll turn on my mic, and they can actually, those black things in their ear isn't a buildup of, of, of earwax or anything like that. Those are in-ear monitors. And sometimes I'll either forget to have, to turn it off, or somehow it'll be on, and they will hear me singing, and I'm getting a look from them like, kill it, Meldon, kill it. This is not good. You're, you're throwing us off here, and you can't sing. I know that. I recognize that, but I'm glad that they can. Aren't we just so blessed by the worship that we receive here week after week after week? You know, and that comes by people who have been uniquely designed, gifted by God in that way. Now, just because you're not up here, it doesn't mean that you're small or insignificant. Not at all. Some of you say, I wouldn't want to be up there anyways. And we wouldn't want you up there, just like you wouldn't want me up here singing. And yet God has uniquely made you, designed you, wired you, and he's placed you in his body, his family. You have a part to play. And the second part of that we see we are inseparable inseparably interwoven into the family of God. Verse 5, So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. If you are going to be all, if you are going to be all that God would have you to be, you need me to be all that God would have me to be. You need me and I need you. And you can turn... And it's not just a you and me thing, it's all around you. And you can even say that to, to those behind you, those in front of you, those beside you. I need you and you need me. That's the body of Christ. That's the reality. We need one another. You know what you need me to do? You need me to do a bunch of things. You need me to lead and love. You need me to lead and love my family well and impart to them the glory of God. Because Timothy and Titus, whose books in the Bible are very clear that if I fail in this, I'm unfit for this. I'm unfit to lead if I'm not leading well there. You need me to do that well. You need to pray for me that I would do that and do it well. You need me to submit to the elders at Harvest Oakville. And then when we have elders here at Harvest Kelowna of our own, you need me to submit to their leadership and to their authority. Because no one likes a pastor who is king. We're all under authority. We need to be under authority. You need me to work hard at studying the word of God so that I may preach it and proclaim it to you in a way that will help, a way that is true, a way that is accurate, a way that will help you to apply it to your lives. You need me to fear and revere God's word and God more than I want to please man so that I would be willing to speak the truth of God's word even when you don't want to hear it or even when I know it's not popular today in our culture, whether it's church culture or in society. You need me to proclaim and teach and live and impart to you the word of God in that way. You need me not to care about numerical growth, but be concerned about the spiritual growth of the people here that God has placed in this church. And I do this all in the grace, in the power 
that God has given me as I abide in him. I can't do this on my own, but it comes as I abide in Christ on a daily basis. You want to know something? That, that's quite a list. There's more to it than that even, that we could probably work out my job description that all of you could maybe help me on uh, a little bit uh, after the service if you want. But, but then we can work on your job description. You know, and, and the weight that is on me isn't much different than the weight that is on you. You have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to the body of Christ. And just as God requires me to connect and to love and to lead and to serve the body of Christ... You need to do the same. You need to do the same in your families, in your friendships, in, in the body of Christ here. Everyone has a part, and you have been placed in the body of Christ. You might say, well, I'm not sure if Harvest Cologne is my home yet. Well, make that decision. I read a book years ago, and, and, um, and, and it, w- it was interesting. The name of the book was, I'll never forget the title, it said, Stop Dating the Church and Fall in Love with the Body of Christ. And sometimes we go through a period, I hate the term, I do not like it, and hate is a strong word I know, and I don't, um, and, and, and I think I do, church shopping. Oh, I'm just church shopping. It's like we're looking for the best bargain or the best deal. That's oftentimes what I think of when, especially we go shopping. Oh, and do I have a coupon for that? That's my wife's deal. I mean, she's the, I mean, she is so good at finding the deal and all that. We can't do that when it comes to the word of God. Where am I going to get the most and cost me the least? That's wrong thinking when it comes to the church of Jesus Christ. It's where, can, where does God want me to connect and to serve and to be a part of the body of Christ? And it's not just about doing, it's about being in that relationship with him and with one another. You know, and as a society, we are so connected. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, texting. I mean, you can be in touch with someone around the world just like that, no problem. I heard one stat that you are seven people away from reaching anyone in the world, that someone who you know knows someone who you know who knows, you know, and take it seven, and, and you can reach some person in, in Uganda, Africa, you know, and it's here because of, you know, some weird connection that this person has and this person has, and next thing you know, you, you find out you have these mutual friendships. Our world has become increasingly small. We're so connected, and we're so lonely, and we're so hurting. We're so broken. Our world, our society, for all this connection, it's just blowing apart. And we need to connect in a connect in an authentic way. And more of that, you say, well, how do I connect? How do I connect? How do I do this? Remember, we're building the theology here, and, and the practical part will flow in the weeks ahead. But because this is an, a time for us to be looking at our own hearts and say, okay, how am I doing it connecting with the body of Christ? And because of this reality, we therefore make a commitment to connect where we can look one another in the eye and, and we're able to, to know one another and be known. And this isn't by everyone in the room, but this is where the smaller group, this is where group life ends up happening, where, where we're able to look at one another and say, how are you doing? And then you lower your glasses if you're so inclined to have glasses and you look at them again and you say, how are you really doing? And they're able to respond back and they're able to tell the areas of of joy and excitement and thrill and things that they just can't wait about and also as well as the hurt. It's a place where we challenge and are challenged in return, where we're accountable and we hold others to account. We teach and we are taught. Some of you are here and say, I don't know much about, I don't even know how to be saved. I'm just a new believer. I don't know where it's at. We need you because there are people that need to teach you and and help you. And in that way, through your excitement and through your growth, you are going to teach them. It's a beautiful relationship where we need one another in that way, where we serve and where we are served, where we encourage and we're encouraged.
where we instruct and we're instructed. And this just doesn't happen by sitting in rows in a theater for an hour and a half listening to a talk and then going in the lobby and, and drinking some coffee and eating some snacks and see what showed up on the snack table. This happens in a deeper way as we connect with one another, as we study together, as we learn God's word, as we challenge one another, um, as, as, as even at times we text one another and say, hey, how are you doing? How are you doing today? Man, we're such putzes at times when it comes to this kind of thing. We can be sitting around on the couches kind of doing our thing, maybe looking on Facebook or looking on some YouTube video, when we could be connecting with some other men. Quick tech, hey, how are you doing? How can I be praying for you? And actually pray for them. And, and, and to, to walk with one another. And, and women, sometimes women are, are much better at connecting like this. And yet, we can all be growing in these kind of connections. And third, the, the third thing we see here is we connect with and serve one another in humility. Look at verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving um, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, in the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so here we see, and then again, 1 Corinthians 12 even gives us a further layout of, of many of these different spiritual gifts. And we do this all not for our kingdom, not for harvest, not to please man. We're doing it in a spirit of humility for the glory of God. And verse 3, if you jump up to Romans 12, verse 3, at the start of all of this, here's the heart that we do this all in. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned for you. Make allowance for others. Serve in humility. Don't think highly of yourself. And so we connect and we share and we serve and we make those sacrifices within the body of Christ in humility. It's not about kingdom building, it's about building the kingdom of God. And as you look up and down the aisle, you can easily say, I need you and you need me. And when we do this, when we are built together and we are growing in this area, it brings such joy in our worship. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for coming, and some of you have had a lousy week. Some of you have had a difficult last few months. And you came to church to, together today, and as you worship the Lord and as you sing, your presence and your worship can encourage one another. One of the things like we ask you to do, and, and today you did it just beautifully, and, 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 and we have a full house, praise the Lord for, for that. Um, but one of the things we do, we're so separate all week long, and when they did the renovations here in this theater with the large chairs and the big aisles, we're even more separated. So one of the reasons we ask you when you're coming in, sit up and, and, and try to fill in gaps and, and, and make it so we fit nice and tight to one another so we can hear one another worship so that we can be around each other. We're so disconnected, and this is even just a small way that physically we can connect to one another Sunday after Sunday, but then we do that before and afterwards in the lobby. This is such an encouraging thing, and, um, um, and God wants us to be encouraged when we gather together as the body of Christ. I hope that today, I hope that Sunday after Sunday you leave, you're encouraged, you're built up. My Sundays are, are the highlight of the week, mainly because it means finally the sermon preparation is done and it's time to deliver, and it's time to, time to get at it. 
But on Sunday mornings, just generally, uh, my morning starts between 4 and 4.30, just how, just, you know, at how many times I hit the snooze kind of thing. And, and usually by 4.30, I'm up. There's planning, there's prayer, there's preparation that, that still needs to happen. No, I don't start my sermon uh, at that hour. It's, it's the finishing touches. It's, it's praying and asking God to do only what he can do. And, and, uh, and, and so by the time the trailer pulls out of here at 12 noon, I want you to know I'm pretty tired. I'm pretty, pretty wiped out. And, and sometimes I'll fall asleep for like 10 minutes on the couch Sunday afternoon. But I have a hard time sleeping because I am so pumped about what God is doing. And the conversations and seeing the love that you have for one another. You encourage me. And the best time in, in our family's week is usually Sunday after church. If we're all going home today, our, our youth will be going, our, our teens will be going over to the, the student um, gathering that's going on. But usually when we're eating like a grilled cheese sandwich and some soup or whatever we can scare together after lunch, we're sitting there and we're just talking. Clarice is giving a report of what happened in Harvest Nursery. Nate will talk about Harvest Kids or something was set up. And, and we talk about conversations and we just like, oh, this is amazing, these, these, these people that God has gifted, that he's building together in the body of Christ, love it. You hear the story of the little kids and how they pronounce their names and how it can sound pretty funny at times. And, 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 and we just, just hear and see the growth of what God is doing in the lives of people as we connect with one another. And I'm like, multiple amounts of that. And so I, I, I don't sleep very well Sunday afternoon because I'm just too tired, too white. Or too, I'm tired, but I'm just too pumped. And I trust that, that you too are encouraged through the gathering together with one another. And these are the things that as we continue to live in group life together down the road, we bless one another in this way. Today when you saw the willingness uh, this past week, um, Eliana was, well, her parents were texted and asked, hey, could she do video announcements this past week. Weren't you blessed by that to have one of our students do the, the video announcement? It's just like she did, she's, she came to the church office after school, mom dropped her off and said, hey, thanks for doing this. She's, yeah, no problem. Like, I love that attitude. You know, like, just say, yeah, no problem. And, and uh, you know how she did that? You think, how did she memorize all? She didn't even get to see the script in advance. She just got it when she came. She read over a few times, but because she was willingness to use her gift of being able to read and be able to stand in front of a camera, because someone else used their gift to make this crazy contraption that attaches a camera on the back, and so a camera lens goes through here, and then you take an iPad, and if I can do this right without busting it, and then he has to build another one, um, you know, and, and then you have the scrolling, here we go, so... So you put this in here, reverse mirror, and here she's reading the video announcements that she was able to do and just able to do it so well because she knows how to read. Anyone, I mean, it's just so cool, the willingness to do this because someone gifted, um, someone has the gifts to build something like this. Now, now I'm sure he wouldn't want to be up here reading the video announcements. That's not his thing, but it's the behind-the-scenes thing. And then there are people who gave and, 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 and supplied the money so that we could hook a nice, sweet camera onto here as well as the software to be able to go about doing the work that, that needed to be done to, to be able to do this. And we just see how the body of Christ can work together in such a sweet way. Everyone's important, from the behind the scenes, picking up the trailer, to the loading, loading up of the trailer afterwards, to harvest kids, all throughout. And as we connect together in small groups, when we're in our small groups, take an interest, talk, share your story. You say, but I'm, I'm vulnerable, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm nervous about it. That's okay, baby steps. Get to know one another and connect with one another. In the name of Jesus, do this. In the name of Jesus, connect. It's not a solo mission. You know, um, 
Harvest, I, I believe with all my heart that God wants to take our church to a new level. We're not satisfied with ordinary. We don't, aren't satisfied with just going through spiritual motions. We want to abide more and more, and we'll give you those practical tools. We want to connect, and next week we're going to talk about sharing. And, and the whole aim of this series is your, yours and my spiritual maturity, that we would grow together in spiritual maturity. And we must understand that when we neglect these truths, we fragment and divide what God is desiring to build and unite. And when we neglect this truth and we refuse to commit and just say, I'm not there, I'm not interested, no way I'm not doing this, we're basically saying, I can do this on my own. I'm self-sufficient. And what we're actually saying is, I disagree with God's plan. I think I, I can overrule God's plan. And we can't. God is God. And maybe you're holding back because um, you've been hurt by a church. Maybe you've been hurt by other believers and you're like, I'm not sure if I'm willing to trust again. Take baby steps. And, and, and God is wanting to teach you and grow you in the area of forgiveness and, and letting go of the bitterness. He wants to take us individually and as a church to new levels. If you've been hurt or if you're scared, take baby steps. It's okay to not be okay, but it's dangerous to not do anything about it. It's, okay, it, it, it's dangerous to stay that way. And so we want to set aside excuses and we want to set aside reasons and and look for ways as we have God just search our hearts and see which ways, God, can I connect in a greater way to the body of Christ. Let's pray, pray together. God, based on your word here this morning, we see that our only response is that I need these people and they need me. Help us to see what this connection will look like over the weeks and months ahead. I pray for those who are new, who are perhaps considering Harvest to be their home church. I, I pray that they would land here or to another church that proclaims the truth of God's word and will challenge them to spiritual maturity. That will challenge them to, to be in the word of God and to grow together with one another. And sometimes it's not going to be easy. Your word is hard. It's hard to follow at times, and yet it leads to life. Lord, I pray that we would be able to let go of things from the past or the busyness of life, and we would see what's really important, what is truly important. And we would take that time to abide with you and know you in a personal way daily. And we would connect with one another. Oh, Jesus, draw us close. We'd be drawn closer to you this day. May the busyness and the things that are impacting our minds just fade away and not be something that runs our thinking and rules our life that we would follow you.